Hey guys, welcome back to the Let Them Play podcast. I'm Alec Horn, and joining me today is just Patrick Carr. No Joey today, but Joey's out with an illness. He'll be fine. He'll be back. We'll be back better than ever. We miss you, Joey. A minor, a minor comeback or a minor setback for a major comeback. Okay, the students are not like he doesn't have a torn ACL or anything. (laughs) He's all good to go though. Yeah, you'll hear him soon. But. We just wanted to talk about the NBA playoffs today and the NBA lottery, which happened last week, and a couple guys that have been speculated to be traded this offseason. We won't get into that quite yet, but stay tuned. So let's talk about which series do you want to talk about first, Patrick? Well, there's a potentially the Suns-Clippers ends tonight, so let's just get into that one. As of when we're recording this, game five is tonight. Yeah, they just announced that Zubak is out. So no Kawhi, no Ibaka, and no Zubak. That's going to be rough in Phoenix. And Marcus Morris is kind of not 100%. He hasn't been able to play that much. Paul George, crazy sad thing. He's played like 150 minutes more than any other player in the playoffs so far. So, you know, he's had some some shortcomings in the most recent games, but he's also stepped up big time and taken on a massive minute in offensive load since Kawhi has gone down. Yeah, he's taken on that load really well. His offense has been (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to I don't see I don't I don't see what's so funny. Um he's taken that load really well. His offense has been pretty good. I think a lot of his shortcomings are fatigue related, but when it comes to the free throw line, you got to hit your free throws. There's no right. excuse for Paula George to miss two free throws. No, that's where, you know, that's the free throw line. You're 100% right. That's where, you know, the big time players down the stretch, I know that that's when everybody's tired, but that's what also to practice and prepare for is hitting those crunch time fourth quarter free throws late in the playoffs when you're just gas. But that's all mental. And at that rate, you know, Paul George has to hit those in game two, that was, and they win that game or. Maybe they have Phoenix has to hit a three and they go to OT. And then in game four, it was kind of going to be tough for them to come back, but he still missed a couple that would have given them a chance down the stretch there. But like, you know, I said, he's stepped up big time. I wouldn't necessarily say he's that pandemic P as everyone was calling him last year because he has stepped up and he's become the number one option for a team that's in the conference finals right now. Yeah. Paul George is the first player in, in Clippers history to lead them to the conference finals. So, that's a big accomplishment. I know, not really, but well, got over the not hump. completely wrong. It wasn't Chris Paul and it wasn't Kawhi Leonard. So Kawhi yeah. definitely helped out with this. We're not completely mis- oh yeah misplacing any credit for. They wouldn't have beat the Mavericks without no, Kawhi. Goodness, no. Kawhi was amazing against them in that series, especially Game Six and Seven. Yeah, but I think Kawhi is definitely going to resign because. They looked really good when the whole team was together, and it's kind of a what-if scenario right now because what if Kawhi was healthy this whole series? I do, yeah, no, I do agree. I don't think – there was for a little bit when they were down 2-0 and the Mavs were up 20 in game three, there was definitely a part of me and I think a part of everyone that looked at it like, okay, so where's Kawhi potentially signing? Where, where's Paul George getting traded to? And obviously we see how that turned out, but – I do think Kawhi's going to resign, and I think I don't think they're going to trade Paul George or really blow anything about this core up. Um, the coaching staff, including Tyron Lewis, done a, you know, or especially Tyron Lewis, done a fantastic job, and they may have found 
a good set of role players around their two guys. I still don't necessarily know if I like the PG and Kawhi fit that much because PG does seem to be better when he's the primary creator and ball handler, but the Reggie Jackson, what do we call this? The Reggie Jackson just ascendance has really been impressive and he's a free agent. That's someone who I think we talked about last time. You even said it made himself a lot of money so far. Blank check. Yeah, I agree. Blank check for the Clippers. And I think they have his bird rights and, a lot of teams are going to be interested in getting him. Nick Batum's a free agent now, too. You know, they locked up Marcus Morris and Luke Kennard each for four years before this season. So they can return most of this core. There are two free agents, like I said, in Batum and Jackson that are going to be important and interesting for them to keep. But, you know, this team has showed way more uh, toughness and has looked good facing adversity way more than they ever did last season, especially early on in the season. So that is a step up no matter how this one plays out. Yeah, exactly. And the, the Suns, they've showed a lot. And, I mean, DeAndre Ayton's just been unbelievable. I, You know, the one of the things I love about the playoffs is you see role players stepping up. It's not just the superstars. You see the role players. Some guys just know how to play, and DeAndre Ayton's really gotten it done so far in the playoffs. I He was one of the guys I would have never expected, honestly because I thought he just was who he was, but he's really raced it, so respect to him. Like you said, playoff time is where you find out who the, the winning players are and the players you don't want if you're trying to win championship, and Aiden has just become such a star in his role. And, you know, you think about it, are there 20 to 30 assets? Assets, not just pure players right now. Like assets in the league you would rather have than DeAndre Aiden right now? There's no way. Oh, are it- we playing this? What, what was that one – tweet that comes around every year was it would you rather have lebron james or oh yeah lebron james right now or this yeah yeah, yeah. i don't think it's time for that but he's still he's a 22 year old center that's figuring out and dominating in his first playoff run and he's you know the clippers pretty much ran gobert off the floor we ripped him french toast baby exactly we ripped him big time last time we we, uh recorded and in the uh the Mavericks series, when they went small, Kristaps and Boban, you know, the, only, the, the Mavs had to throw in a weird wrinkle and go twin towers route right there, but it still didn't win, obviously. And the Aiton is the only center so far to hold up in the Clippers' small ball routine and make the Clippers go big again. Yeah, I to go back to the whole Aiton 30 assets thing, I'd have to do my research before I made a claim, made a answer to that but I think Aiden's going to be very good in this league for a while because he he clearly has the talent the talent's there oh yeah I'm speaking of blank check he'll be getting that blank check in a in an off season or in a year I think is when he gets that extension he was drafted in 2018 so same as Luca and Trey so it's not this year I think Luke is available for the Supermax this year though because he made all NBA and all that stuff Aiden yeah. Trey didn't do that yet, but their their extensions are coming up. They'll they'll get their extensions. Those three will definitely get their extensions, and they'll be oh, yeah. quite the only price. way they wouldn't. They want to go to other. Oh yeah, I think I think the Suns closed out tonight, and I think the Suns are a really good team, and they're really well built, and they've kind of clicked on all cylinders at the right time. And I just think the Clippers are running on fumes at the moment and their gas tank is going to officially be empty by the end of game five. And that's really 
not anything to their fault. I mean, they showed heart and they made it this far, and it's further than they've ever made in their franchise history, which is impressive in itself. Yeah, I think you could put some a little bit of blame on the Clippers, not not a ton, because they've had they had to play seven games versus the Mavericks, which that there's no shot they should have played that game. That series should have gone to seven. That's true. Yeah, they they kind of fumbled the bag the first two games, especially. If yeah, if you're gonna win a championship, you can't play a seven game series round one. That's that's kind of that feels like a recipe for just fatigue throughout the rest of the playoffs. Before this game tonight, they've played 17 games in 32 days. So after tonight, it'll be 18 and 34. That is uh, that is a lot of playoff basketball in a short amount of time. Yeah, the, the scheduling sucks for them, but it is what it is, and just they got to they got to come out winning games in the playoffs. In the first two know, games. The same got, thing happened against the Jazz was the 0-2 deficit. Yeah, you go down 2-0 every series so far, and it minimum goes six games if you're going to win. That is, no, that is very true. Like the champions, you know, most of the championship teams from the last 10 years even, they especially that first round and even that second round, they just – they kind of wiped the table, wiped the floor a little bit and showed like, okay, this team is not on, on our level yet because this is really who we are. And the Clippers led every team so far into the game and into the series and are probably going to let the Suns win the series. Yeah, I don't know if let. Right, Suns, not let, yeah. but the, Sun, the Suns were better. The Suns were better, that's no doubt. Yeah, they are. There's a lot of, like we were talking about eight, but I also think Booker is showing and proving how – really just good of an offensive player as a whole he is. And I, I mean, everyone kind of figured or knew he was a great scorer, but I think everyone's really learning now. I mean, all around offensively, he's, he's got it all. He's a great playmaker and a great passer, and he never loses confidence. Patrick Beverly has played – for all my hate on Patrick Beverly, he's actually played pretty good defense on Devin Booker. Yeah, but, he's, he's played really good defense this yeah, last two series. I won't, I won't hold that back. But Devin Booker just keeps on coming, and he's not scared scared of Beverly at all. Yeah, uh, Patrick and I talked about this, and we've both become pretty big Devin Booker fans this playoffs, even though I know he kind of torched my team in round <laughs> one. But, hey, be legendary, D-Book. He's, he's tough as nails. I mean, he, he's, not, he's definitely not scared of anybody. There's no team that intimidates him, man. Like I say, he just never loses confidence, which is really one of the more impressive things I've seen from him. Because it's not in a bad way. Just start, he just keeps chucking up sh- shots it's you know he just keeps looking for spots and he's picking spots he's okay with the shots he's getting and he just knows the team is okay with him getting those shots too he's just going to keep on f- playing his game and letting the team play their game too yeah you're that guy pal you're that guy he is that guy he's that guy he's only 24 it's kind of crazy yeah. he's only he's, 24 and he's been in the league six years yeah i remember i remember when he came in. he's one of the youngest prospects ever coming it's, yeah. it's finally clicking and uh, I think the the Chris Paul stuff has gotten a little over the top where everybody on the Suns team is getting – Chris Paul is getting the credit for the development. But Chris Paul has also been a really key part of this team's success this season. And I don't necessarily think that the best way they play against the Clippers is slow, like they like to play with Chris Paul. But I don't see them winning a championship without Chris Paul, obviously. And he has to be healthy and away from COVID protocols for uh, them to have a chance at the, the Larry O'Brien trophy. I think this is the first year the Suns have actually had a really good roster, too. 
It wasn't. It's not. They didn't just add Chris Paul. They oh, Jay right. Crowder's been very good. DeAndre Ayton was better this season. Mikael Bridges is an All NBA level defender. You developed big time. Cam Johnson has become a legit NBA player now too. Yeah, He's more of just a shooter now. The the team is is really just and Monty well. Williams. Monty Williams coaching yep. has definitely been, helped them. Oh yeah, exactly. Uh, the Jay Crowder signing is uh, in the hindsight is one of my favorite of the off seasons, and it was someone I wanted the Warriors to go after in the off season just because he's another guy that's just a dog and is tough and is a really good shooter and has no problem matching up with anybody from two through five, really. And he won't back down against anybody and pretty much every championship team or really deep playoff title contending team has and needs one of those guys. And the Suns definitely have one with him. Yeah. I think we've covered those two teams enough. Let's move on to the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Atlanta Hawks. It's two one right now. Bucks just won last night because Chris Middleton went, berserk in this fourth quarter and had scored 20 points out of nowhere too yeah he he wasn't having the best game then he just caught fire he just took over at the right time yeah that's that's what champions do i know they're not the champions but we we haven't seen him really raise his level of play like that in the postseason a lot and he's done that a lot more i think this bucks team is a lot more confident because Giannis has that confidence now, too. It didn't seem like last year. I mean, with against the Heat, he just played awful, and it it really felt like it got to him. But that whole that whole the whole Bucks team was awful against the Heat, and Giannis was too. And Bud had Bud got just dismantled by Spolster in the coaching battle, and it was the bubble. There's just nothing went right for them in that series last year. That's for sure. Yeah, I think. I mean, clearly they've used that as some sort of motivation. And the addition of Drew Holiday, I know he didn't shoot very well last night, but the defense is always there. Mm-hmm. And if it, if the defense gets the job done, then it gets the job done. And you have Giannis and Chris Middleton to win you the game on the offensive end. As, and there are no slashes on defense, too, obviously. Giannis has been really, really, really good this postseason. And a lot of people aren't – actually, most people aren't really – noticing the greatness that he has been in the postseason so far. And I think that's because I don't like the silly style of play he has, you know, there's the Harden comment where he has no skill and he's people think he's not as good as he is because he's not the closer for the bucks, which is just how it is. Sometimes Shaq is a top 15 player of all time. He wasn't the closer for his, any of his title teams. It's just as the fact, but Giannis is, is like averaging you, you text earlier. What is it? 38 and five here. I'll, I'll, Read you the exact stat because I already have it up on my phone. Yeah. Players in NBA history to average at least 29, 13, and 5 on 50% shooting during a playoff run. Number one is Yontis Santos de Cumpo in 2021, and there's not a number two. That's the list. Yeah, that's the list. That's all, I mean, he, folks. He, he's been awesome. And, you know, okay, if the Nets were healthy, that series is probably a wrap. But still, the, the series is what it is. And Giannis in game seven went toe-to-toe with Kevin Durant, who was awesome. They were both awesome that game. And Giannis just never stops attacking. You know, there was the free throw struggles. He airballed two of them. People are laughing at him. He didn't care. He stepped. He kept attacking. We go to the free throw line. He made, I think, ten of them. And he was he was amazing that game. He was, re- he was relentless. And that's still carrying over to uh, – this Hawks series and you know Chris was the big story uh, because of his just 
like I said, berserk fourth quarter. But Giannis still put up 30 – I think it was 36 last night. I, just, I should have the stats up, my, stats up right now. But, you know, he got them through the first 40, 42 minutes of that game. And then when it was time to close, Chris stepped up. And I think that's the formula for this Bucks team to go all the way. Yeah, and Giannis said yesterday they asked him a question about, you know, Chris Middleton just being the closer. And he's like, you know, as long as – I can carry the game through three shoulders. And if Chris Middleton wants the ball in the fourth quarter, I'll give him the ball. That's, that's a championship mindset. You get respect in the league, you win rings. Winning rings is the dream in the NBA. He's already had, he has two MVPs. He has defensive player of the year. And he always missing all NBAs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's missing the ring. And uh, you're right. That mindset is exactly what, you know, champions have because he does not care who gets the credit. He doesn't care for the stats. He's like, okay, whatever gets me the win, let's do it. Okay, I'll I'll do whatever I have to do for 48 minutes. If that means like this team needs me to shoot only 10 shots, which is never going to be the case, but if that was the case for the Bucks, he would do it in a heartbeat. If it was, I need you to go guard. If Bud would finally do it, if Bud was like, I need you to guard the best perimeter player, he would do it in a heartbeat. He does not care what it is. He said, all right, coach, okay, or all right, guys, to his teammates, whatever you think is the best option or idea for me, for me helping us to win, I'm going to do that right now. And that's what I love about him because he's not all about this fame or the stats or the uh, awards or the credit or anything. He, he genuinely just wants to win, and he just seems like a really fun – guy to root for for the next seven eight years and I think the NBA you know with my rating stock I think the NBA should start to really promote that and promote how they've got a real genuine star in Milwaukee with, yeah the yeah. actually the playoff ratings are the best they've been in a while so good for the NBA I, I think the the fans coming back is just cute for it all too. yeah man the fans so fun the Atlanta fans were fun last night also you know who I wish had Giannis's mentality was is Ben Simmons because he just when he misses free throws, he just gets terrified. And I just want I think Ben Simmons needs to attack like Giannis does. Well, that's, yeah, that's like that thing in game seven. Giannis did, he just kept attacking. He went to the free throw line a bunch in that game seven against Brooklyn, and he airballed two free throws in game seven. Can you imagine if Ben Simmons airballed one in like game three? He wouldn't he would not attack for the rest of the game. Hundred percent. Exactly, and, and that's that's the different well. I mean, there's obviously a lot of differences between them, but that's one of the biggest and maybe not if the biggest is the mentality. Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons Ben Simmons isn't regarded that way because he just won't attack. We saw him pass up a shot with Trey Young, like, what, six or seven feet away from him when Ben Simmons is under the basket and could easily dunk. He passed out of a shot and then passed it to Matisse Thibel, who got fouled, and then fouled. he missed exactly. a free throw. And that I mean, really – that just felt like the end of the game, even though – That was, was the play that even Joel Embiid, like, came back to in his post his post-game conference when he started. It was like, I think the turning point in the game was when we had a wide-open dunk and we made one of two free throws. I mean, Embiid singled out that play. And, you know, look what happened. The Sixers are the one seed eliminated from the playoffs from the five seed and are going to, I think, look extremely different next season. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk – we're going to talk about a little bit about Ben Simmons later. Trust us. Yeah. But let's talk about the Hawks now because just an unbelievable run for them. Like I think we all counted them out in round one, which, oops. <laughs> but You already formally apologized. Yeah, I, I filled out the apology form last episode. But, you know, good for them. They have a lot of 
players they can build around. And Trey Young, I think I, th- I think this series is. I mean, I don't want to be that guy, but I think this series is over because Trey Trey Young's questionable for the next game because of, well, of his injury. There is a there is a real roster talent difference and deficit between these two teams, and I think this is just the Atlanta's on the on the rise on the come up season and postseason run, and now everyone know everyone's gonna have to know about Atlanta, and this is just the experience for all these young guys, just massive for them right now. But I do. Yeah. Agree. I don't want to say it's over because it's only two one, and you know <laughs> you've claimed a series is over when it's two zero. So yeah, exactly. I don't want to say it's over. <laughs> I just don't see, especially with Trey Young hurt like this. I just don't see a path where the, the Hawks have have what it takes to beat this Milwaukee team. Yeah, but you know, respect to the Hawks, even getting this far, and I couldn't have seen this exactly. coming. They they have a really good team. I. I just, I'm just surprised. I don't know. There's not really much. I I've just been kind of speechless on how the Hawks have actually made it this far. They're think, tough. It doesn't feel like every single, especially close games, they just hit super timely threes. Last night was kind of a different story, just because. I mean, I think the Tranger is a big part of it, but it seems like every single big game, especially in that game one, they hit just massive momentum stopping or momentum starting timely threes in the, in the clutch. Yeah. Um, extend Nate McMillan right away. hundred percent. What do you think Indiana's thinking about how they fired him uh, a season ago and they just fired their, uh, the coach they replaced him with? Uh, you know, I think the time was kind of over for Nate McMillan in Indiana. I, I'm, you're right. Time does run through. And, yeah. Nate McMillan's been a coach plenty of places before, and it hasn't really worked out. But maybe Atlanta was what he needed. Maybe Trey Young needs Nate McMillan. I Who think knows? that Nate McMillan coaching change like midseason with Lloyd Pierce. I think has been a huge positive effect on Trey Young and his accountability. Because there was that remember in, early in the season, there was an article that got leaked pretty much from the Hawks players about how they weren't enjoying playing with Trey Young at the time. And that was, you know, when Lloyd Pierce was the coach and Hawks had the worst record in the league. And the coaching change happens, Bogdanovich comes back. And Trey Young just doesn't seem like that exact that, – that same player that he was six months ago. He seems like a much more enjoyable teammate and someone who understands how to get his teammates involved and not just, you know, chuck up 30-footers when he gets the chance. Yeah, I've become a Trey Young fan this playoffs too because – well, I didn't really watch him early on in the season, I'm not going to lie. But I've seen a lot – I saw a lot of, you know, those reports that they just weren't having fun. And if I'm a center or a power forward on that team that's running a pick and roll with Trey Young, I'm having a lot of fun lately. <laughs> yeah, lately, especially when you know, he gets doubled or he gets uh, rushed off the, the pick and roll for, to prevent the floater. They're definitely getting a lot of open looks. Like that Okongu lob last night. Yeah, there's been like one of those a game. It feels like last last series. Oh my, that John Collins dunk on Joel Embiid was disgusting. Oh, that was mad. That was. Yeah. Well, then was it? Crap, was that game one of the? It was game one of the series when uh, Trey Young threw it off the backboard to uh, John Collins. Yeah, oh, pick and roll. That was man. sweet. Just yeah. just the the balls it takes to even throw that. And John Collins was ready for it too. So, I mean, Kent Bazemore tweeted that they've tried that in practice a bunch, but it was just, it was super cool to see what's doing the same. Oh yeah. Like, I'd love to see Kent Bazemore throwing lobs off the backboard in a game. If he does that. He was saying Trey Young and John oh, Collins. Okay. Tried that okay. No, no, no. Kent Bazemore. I was going to say, man, 
John Collins is another guy. Uh, Atlanta, check. they, I don't know about blank check, but he's made himself a lot of money for sure this offseason. And he, he was considered using trade talks a lot the past oh, like, yeah. year and a half. Now um, it's like, like extend that man, which, you know, good for him. He deserves it. I think he he fits well next to Capella and Okongwu because of that. And well, and when Hunter comes back, I think the Hunter Collins at the three four as you're like just big wings is actually really good. Yes, exactly. And they yeah they've gotten this far even with DeAndre Hunter missing a bunch of time, and Cam Reddish too. So they have. Donovich isn't even hundred percent at this rate too, and this team has all it could be a lot better next season. Yeah, man, good for them. And Collins is a restricted free agent after this year, so there's no there's no chance I see Atlanta letting him go unless some team, even if some team throws like twenty to twenty five at him, don't you see Atlanta matching that? I think he'll get a max deal, and I think it'll get matched. Right from from another team, I just don't see Atlanta letting him go unless they're really thinking Hunter and Reddish are ready to take the three four for uh, Reddish at the three Hunter at the four for the next four or five years, but Collins has been too important to them in this playoffs just to let him walk, I think. Yeah, I don't think that's happening unless they sign someone else. Yeah. But they've, they're they super young, got all their young, young guys on contract. The Bogdanovich signing. You know, I was a little skeptical over in the offseason when they signed Bogdanovich and Gallinari to a team that played no defense last season. I was like, ah, okay, that seems a little, not necessarily redundant, but doesn't fix any of the issues, but the Bogdanovich signing has been massively important, and Gallinari has actually been a plus, especially with Bogdanovich's uh, limitations with his injury this series. Yeah, I don't – again, just blown away. I don't know how they've been winning all these games, but everyone's just stepping up, and that's what it takes to win games. They went from – what pick did they have last year, the sixth pick? Uh, Okongu. It was Okongu. It was like five or six. I don't remember the – Yeah, it was, okay, so it was a – We'll call it top seven just in case. It was top but seven, yeah. Exactly. They went from the top seven pick to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. And, it's one of those where, you know, you just look up and you're like, holy crap, the, the Atlantic Hawks are in the Conference Finals. And the team's on the come up. Sometimes it just happens quicker than you realize. Yeah, great, great turnaround for them. Speaking of lottery picks, we just had the lottery last week. And, Patrick, congratulations. Pick seven and 14 for the Warriors. Could have been a lot better, but it could have been a lot worse. It was just kind of the most boring and honestly most likely outcome for the Warriors. Yeah. Man, the draft lottery is just so enjoyable. <laughs> Ever since, I know. All, it, it really is. It, I, I enjoy it more when my team's not in it because I used to just be so stressed out on, like, you know, oh, we have the second highest odds. Oh, are, are we going to get 14? We're going to get one. Yeah, exactly. It really, it's like, it's a, the lottery last year was really the first year I really started to pay attention to it in a long time because the Warriors ended up with the number two overall pick, obviously, and the five to seven years before that, they were nowhere near the lottery, as everyone knows. But this last two years, I mean, it's literally 15 minutes of stress. You know, the first card, it's not even 15 minutes, it's probably 10 minutes of stress. The first card comes out from that moment until the 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 fifth one comes out at stress commercial break four more picks of stress yeah man they got to fix the timing on that it, so the draft was or the lottery was supposed to start at 5 30 they started at 5 45 this is pacific by the way 5 45 and then they 
announce a bunch of picks, go to commercial, and meanwhile the fans in the top four are just going crazy. Yeah, they're just waiting like, okay, crap, which one are we getting? I and mean, that's been the story of this NBA postseason, too, is games starting at 6 when it was told 5.30. Oh, man. It's a mess. It's an Adam Silver mess. And then there's been a couple games that start right on time, and I'm like, wait, like. Which one I, is Yeah, be consistent. Be consistent. Yeah, because, like, usually I'll just wait till oh, like, this game starts at 5.30. Oh, I'll just go go to the downstairs of the TV at 5.40, and the game's, you know. It's, You're five minutes into the eight, first quarter. Yeah, exactly. Adam Silver, man, you got some stuff to work on. Yeah, your ratings are improving, and you're doing stuff like that. Yeah. Don't you want to please the common fan? Yeah, but congratulations to the Pistons, you know. I'm just going to assume it's Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham, I know, bold prediction. But Or is it Wiseman 7 and 14? I don't think so. No, I know they like Wiseman, but... the, the That would be a quote-unquote light year's win for the Warriors if they're able to pull that off. Yeah, so I'm just going to read off the lottery. So we got Detroit at 1, Houston Cunningham. at 2... Jalen Green. Oh, you're just giving a mock draft. I like it. Oh, yeah. But that's, the second pick's also a big win for Houston because they were awful last year after Harden well, left. And will end their protection. Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. If, if, it, if they were outside of the top four, you got it, yeah. If they were outside of the top four, it went to OKC. OKC is actually one of the biggest losers of the draft because they didn't get that Rockets pick. And the Thunder – Think had the fifth highest odds. They had really good odds, and they ended up with the sixth pick. Yeah, so they're outside so of the top five as a whole. And then Cleveland at three, Toronto at four, Orlando at five, Oklahoma City at six, Warriors at seven, Orlando again at eight. We're in, we'll talk about them in a second. Sacramento at nine, New Orleans at ten, Charlotte at eleven, San Antonio at twelve, Indiana at thirteen, and then Warriors again at fourteen. Yep. Good for the Magic with five and eight. Um, Dan Gilbert and uh, Kobe Altman, the uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers GM, don't know how they keep getting blessed and lucky with top five, top four, top three picks. It's kind of incredible that the team they that have... has let LeBron James walk away twice just keeps getting given all these high lottery picks. <laughs> I think they had top five odds, but man, I just don't. They just don't know how to run back an organization over there. So I, I just don't like seeing. All the Cleveland all these Yeah. Well, especially because you know, there. This is the point of the lottery in the draft is to give these teams a chance to improve. <laughs> like, what the heck are they doing? I think they've got good players too. I like Larry Nance. I like Isaac Okoro. I like Darius Garland. I don't dislike Colin Sexton. I kind of like him. I don't think Garland and Sexton fit. They have you know pieces I like. What the heck is going on over there? Yeah, uh, Jared Allen's very good as well. Yeah, I forgot about Jared Allen. That's right. They traded for him. Yeah. And they can still only win, you know, 30 to 40 games a season. Yeah. If, if that on the 40. I think the, the Bulls were pretty big losers also because they lost their, you know, what would have been the eighth pick. Right. Well, that Vujic trade is it, starting to look a little bad too. Yeah. There, I don't think there was a reason really for them to do that. It didn't really feel like they're, they're in a win-now mode, which is kind of what a Vucevic trade was, I thought. I think they're worried. Maybe they're worried about Zach Levine discomfort or unhappiness, maybe. And they, or maybe they're just sick of not – they haven't been good since that Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade, Rajon Rondo season. Um, 
I, I'm not completely sure what was for either, but not only did they they gave up two first round picks in that trade. Mm-hmm. So, Owen, but like it's very good for the match. No. They had the lottery luck, but they got a really good player potentially yeah. coming up five. They have a well in eight, that, but they have a lot of young guys now. They traded for it. I love I love Jonathan Isaac. Yeah, I was just I know his, I really hope he just can stay healthy because I really like his future as a just an NBA player. Yeah, his defense amazing. Mm-hmm. Also, well, they do, and uh, Cole Anthony actually wasn't bad at all this year. Yeah, he's. I think he's going to be pretty solid at least. I remember there was a lot of hype for him before he went to UNC. And it kind of died down, but honestly, I think when you have a lot of hype, it's it's hard, man, because everyone just expects so much of you right away. Yeah. But I, yeah, I do think he got hurt too. Yeah, that's true. But I think Cade Cunningham can handle the hype. To go back to Detroit real quick, I think he, you know, Detroit has had some very good basketball teams. It's just been a very long time since they have, and I think Cade Cunningham's a very good start. Oh, I love Cunningham. I think, yeah, I think Cunningham's generationally talented, and I think, like, at Cunningham's floor, he's just a really good player. I don't see – I mean, maybe I'm just, you know, jinxing right now. I just don't see any way in the world he's a bust of a pick. I just don't see it. Yeah. I don't really have much else to say besides that. He's just – he's going to be very good. That's that's such a great point maker, especially you know Oklahoma State kind of played him as a point guard. I don't really think he's going should be a point guard in the league just because he doesn't necessarily have the, the pure quickness as a guard, but you know his vision and his playmaking, his passing as a wing in the league, and he was already a really good shooter. He was ninety close ninety percent from free throw line, over forty from three. I mean he's he's got all the tools. He's ready right now too. Yeah, I think the plan for them is to pair Cade Cunningham and Killian Hayes in a backcourt. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And then they already have Jeremy Grant, who I think is a very potential trade piece this offseason. And Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart were really good rookies. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Those guys are going to be pretty good, too. So, you know, potentially an exciting core. I wish that – and I'd be so much more about excited about – Detroit if they still had Christian Wood because they let him walk for just a cheap amount of money. 14, really million, of 14 million a year. That's what Kuzma's getting. Is Kuzma making 14 million a year? Uh, about that. Oh, God. I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. man. That's yeah, not that much in the NBA anymore. But Well, Kelly Oubre made 15 this year. Yeah, exactly. Well, like I said, I think I do think I don't necessarily think the Warriors are a winner or a loser in it. Um, things could have gotten a lot better. They could have gotten four or five, no, four or six. They couldn't have gotten five, which is just weird how the odds work that way. But they end up with seven. But it's that's a lot better than the pick not conveying. I think because I guarantee you, the the Wolves are better than seventh worse in the NBA next year. Timberwolves, man. <laughs> It's so bad every That's year. Right. Yeah, this well, trade looking back on that trade now. They're, so they're I think Wiggins and Yeah, I think it's time to talk about some potential trade, some 
guys that are going to be traded this offseason because I saw a report that the Timberwolves wanted Ben Simmons. I saw that today, too. Yeah, that was today, wasn't it? Yeah, that was today. And, you know, I'm not really sure what they'd be willing to give up. Twitter saying, like, Malik Beasley and some draft picks, which I don't think. I think think D'Lo has to be involved in a trade. Right, because I don't. I just don't see them getting rid of Anthony Edwards. I don't see it. I think like the yeah. the franchise and the fans love him too much. He, he was a very good rookie, but it's just I think they love him too much to let him walk like that. Yeah, or to trade him away like that. If I'm the Timberwolves, I'd be okay with getting Ben Simmons. I would too, because I think Carl Anthony Towns is actually one of the few front court partners that would work with Ben Simmons. Yeah, he's offense. a fantastic shooter. Yeah, I mean, he's, a, he's offensively so skilled. And, I mean, people don't realize just because of how awful the Timberwolves are. And Cat on defense is terrible. He's one of the biggest reasons that they suck on defense year after year. But offensively, he's one of the best bigs in the last 10 years. I mean, he shoots like 40% from three. You can take it down low. You can create off the dribble. And all, those are all those things Ben Simmons can't do. And the things that he does do really well are on defense. So it is a very good mix and match system there. Yeah, if I'm the Sixers, I'd be okay with getting D'Lo because I think they need another – and they need a point guard. They have a great defense as is. I know you're losing your best defender, but you have Matisse. You have Danny Green that can guard on the perimeter kind of help D'Lo out on defense. You know, you can sign yeah, some yeah. more guys too. I do think I do think D'Angelo Russell is actually a good fit with the Sixers too because it just seems like they need another – on ball creator and shooter in the backcourt position. And that's one of the biggest reasons why Ben Simmons didn't work is because people talk a lot about his playmaking and, you know, his passing, his vision, but I just didn't necessarily see it with the Sixers. Maybe that's because the fit just isn't there. It was a little clogged up, but D'Angelo Russell definitely spaces the floor more and he, he can create extremely well for himself and he's not a bad passer. He just needs to work on his shot selection. Yeah, I think – I do think it's time for the Sixers – to trade Ben Simmons, there's just – it just – it's not working. And you can't keep doing there's this no, every yeah. year. The goal is to win a championship, and it just – there's just huge shortcomings for Philly every year. There's no way you – I just – I don't see I can bring him back when Joel Embiid takes a shot at him. Doc Rivers, your head coach, takes a shot at him. It's – is it four? I think it's four years in a row now in the playoffs, getting eliminated before the conference finals. And with Philly, you just see no offensive development with him at all. And I think you know, I think there is a lot of talent in there still, but mentally there's a block, and I, I just don't see him coming out of his cocoon in Philadelphia at all. He needs to change the scenery. Yeah, and another person who's on the trade block, well. There was a report that Damian Lillard might want out. And right, I wouldn't say block yet, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, no one really knows what's going to happen, but the trade speculation has already started. I think the Sixers are a team that should try and trade for Dame because Embiid and Dame as your two stars just sounds like. That's the championship favorite next year, if you ask me. Yeah. Then in the Nets. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you actually would defend a Damian Lillard, Joel Embiid pick and roll. I actually have no idea how you could do that. I think praying. 
That's like yeah, that might be your best. That might be your best <laughs> bet. You're right. But uh, I do. Yeah, that would be if if he's if that's true, he's really on the block. Darren Moore in Philadelphia need to just do whatever. To yeah, I think. Play. I think yeah, like you just said, if Dame's on the block, I think no team needs Dame more than the Sixers do. That would, that would be incredible. And, you know, Ben Simmons would be definitely a part of that package, I think. And I think he's the main part. Right. I'm going to say Portland, when you're trading, you're going to lose a trade pretty much when you're trading a superstar like Damian Lillard. There's just no way you're getting enough back. But you could do a lot worse than getting Ben Simmons and more assets back. Yeah. And you're dude. buying extremely low on Ben Simmons right now, too. And if Dame gets traded, you know, Lakers, CJ, I'd be down. Yeah. For it. If if Dame gets if, if Dame gets traded, CJ is the guy like the the Pelicans, I think. I think the Lakers would be a good one. Maybe even the Bucks, just all these teams that could use another on ball creator, another sh- shot maker like that, they need to go for him instead of just focusing on, on the big name star like Damian Lillard. Yeah. There's there's just a lot of dominoes that need to fall in order for all this to actually happen. So we'll just wait and see on that. And then, yeah, I think we're a long way from Damian Lillard trade, but in the NBA, it's pretty known and proven. Where there's smoke, there's fire, and there's been smoke since the the Blazers got eliminated in the playoffs. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the Warriors because there's been a lot of speculation of James a James Wiseman trade. Which, if I'm a young team that's rebuilding, I would. I I think Wiseman has a lot of potential. There's a lot of people out there that are saying he's not that good, but I think he's a seven-footer that has range and he has a lot of defensive potential that you could tap into. I definitely want him. I think Wiseman has all the tools and can be a really good player. I think he could be, honestly, like a perennial all-star. I just don't think that perennial all-star timeline doesn't start like 2025, 2027. So it's just, is a long time. He's a long ways away. And it's, it's sad that that's the truth, but it is the truth. But he, like you said, he's got all the tools. I mean, I think he's like seven, two with a ridiculous wingspan, super bouncy. He can run the floor extremely well. And he is a, he's got really good touch around the rim and has a decent looking jump shot. So he has the tools for what you're looking for with a modern day big. I mean, he's basically, a, a big man size who plays the game like a wing. I mean, he's, he's an extremely rare find and I think he has the tools. It's just, he's a long ways away and the Warriors don't have a long ways away to develop that or to wait on that. They have an aging core who is their window has been extended a couple years, I think because of the Steph dominance that we just saw this past year. And Draymond is still that guy on defense, as we've talked about. And I don't think Clay is going to be Clay again when he comes back, but I think he's going to be 20 to 25 minutes a game, rock solid defense still, and a fantastic shooter. And he's he knows how to play the game and he's he's a killer in the playoffs too. So they have they have a core of veterans that are ready to win right now. And a 20-year-old, 21-year-old Wiseman who is just extremely, extremely raw basketball-wise, it's just not doesn't fit the timeline and I think you can get this is probably the lowest you would be trading for him which is part of the problem but I think you can still get a lot for him or he could be a really big baseline part of a big deal yeah I'd trade a good amount for him so the rumored package right now well it's not a complete package but it's going to be it would be built around Wiseman and number seven for Pascal Siakam and I think Siakam's going to 
could be a very good third option. He's making a lot of money right now, so you'd probably have to give up Wiggins in the deal as well, which if I'm the Raptors, I totally do that because I think a lot of James Wiseman, and you'd have James Wiseman pick number four and pick number seven. There's You could build around that. And Wiggins is, is actually a really solid player now. So that's why, as the Warriors, I don't think I would do that trade if I was the Warriors, just because – Wiggins does have to match salary-wise, and that's a, a wing slot who – Wiggins has his faults and his shortcomings, but for all that, he was actually really solid this past season. And maybe his shooting bump and his free throw percentage bump and his three-point percentage bump was all because of no fans the first two months, but it seemed pretty legit the whole season. And defensively, he was actually a real, really good defensive wing this year. And so I just don't think you can give up that and Wiseman and the number seven pick for Siakam for – Siakam, who's someone I actually really love, and I would love his fit with Draymond offensively and defensively. And I think it would make – I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm not even sure what I'm saying. I'm about to say I think it would make the Warriors better, so just do it. I don't know. That's a trade I think I would be conflicted on. I, I see the positives and I see the negatives. So do you think the Warriors would be a better team this season with Siakam or Wiseman? Wiggins, Wiseman, and whatever the seventh pick is. Yeah. Oh God, that's a tough question. It's Steph Curry's thirty. It's what, probably 33? it probably is with Siakam. I mean, the core of Steph, Clay, Siakam, Draymond, and maybe whatever you maybe you can you can get a, you can potentially get a starter still with that fourteenth pick, and you know, put him at the wing or pick up some veteran options that you can play at that small forward or shooting guard position, whatever you play. Clay or Jordan Poole can start in the backcourt, and Clay can be the small forward. I don't know. I think I do think I do think they're a better team. And Siakam's really young too. Actually, it's not like he's he's twenty seven. Yeah. So and he just signed his contract or his extension recently, so he's on the books. Yeah, I just think that's a a lot to consider. I know. I mean, I'd definitely do that if I was the Raptors. But if I'm the Warriors, I'm considering it, not pulling the trigger yet. They have a lot of time to think about it. Obviously, you got to. Yeah. You got to find out what the other teams drafting ahead of you are looking to draft, first of all. I was going to say, if it was 14, I'd probably do it in a heartbeat. But seven, just because I think you, there, you still have potential of getting a real franchise changer down the road or a player that is just really able to help win now, too, at seven, where 14 is a little more of a shot in the dark. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. There's just a lot to ponder this offseason. This, man, the NBA offseason, they just know how to do it. The NBA offseason, which is part of – which is too bad that maybe the offseason is more exciting than anything else, but the offseason is so fun. Yeah. Also, I wish the that free agency was ahead of the draft because some teams – some guys just get traded and they have to wear like – like DeAndre Hunter, for example. He got traded from the Lakers pick to the Pelicans right. to the Hawks, cool. and he wore a Lakers hat. That thing is so dumb, the draft rights. That was, like, the Lakers weren't even the most recent team to trade him, and he still wore a Lakers hat. No, I do. I hate the draft rights thing. That's, like, part of how, like, teams get out of, you know, salary exceptions and stuff like that, and part of the timeline of when you can trade, which is stupid. But that's why the free agency should be beforehand anyways. Yeah, and also if, like, for example, if you're going to sign, like, I don't know, like, LeBron James – like, you're going to trade that pick away. 
because it's win now mode all of a sudden. Like they right. did, like the Cavs did in 2014 when they drafted Wiggins. They traded the they traded him to, uh, to Kevin Minnesota, Love, yeah. yeah, for Kevin Love, and he Wiggins is wearing a Cavs hat. In the, that's, yeah, that's only that's that's definitely if teams don't tamper because none of them would ever break that rule, right? Oh no, never. <laughs> there's no there's no tampering in the NBA. No, never tampering in sports. Leagues. Never heard of her. Yeah. I think I do. I think there's a lot of storylines follow this off season. I think that's going to be from my end. I think Warriors, Boston, who just signed their coach and the free agent or the front office movement, and the Lakers. I think are three teams. There's going to be a lot of movement within the rosters, and there's already the Kemba Walker trade with Boston. So it's going to be exciting for our three teams and the NBA as a whole. Yeah, I think the Lakers should trade a wink, wink superstar Dennis Schroeder. And super, <laughs> superstar Kyle Kuzma, Kyle Kuzma and, and future superstar. Super, superstar THT for Damian Lillard. I think the Trailblazers should throw in a first round pick too. But right, right. call me crazy. Yeah, that seems extremely. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I, yeah, that the Lakers getting Dame is such a pipe dream. But I am a huge Dame fan because he is a local guy and he's just fun to watch. But yeah, he, I mean, he's he's one of the ten best players in the league, and, and like one of the ten players who really matter in the league too. And like, say he's a local guy, easy to easy to root for, fun to watch. I think fellow, every team on him. Fellow Raiders fan as well. Yeah, didn't he kind of give up on him though with the Vegas move and everything? No, nah, he has a Raiders tattoo. Sorry, Dame can't get rid of it. Oh yeah, you can't really do much of that. That was stupid. <laughs> I respect it. Yeah. I think that's all we got for today. That's all, folks. Sorry to a fellow podcast friend, Mike McGlinchey, and your Sixers losing. It's tough, man. Yeah. Sorry, Mike. That's all we have. Joey, we'll see you soon. Get one. Prayers up. (laughs) Stop, bro. He's fine. (laughs) No, he's all good. He'll be back again soon. Thank you, guys. Follow us on social media at Let Them Play Pod. That's only Twitter, by the way. Yeah, that is only Twitter. Don't go on Instagram or Facebook or MySpace for you weirdos. Talk to you guys soon.